This is Briar Klopp, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services in Greenbush, Minnesota. And we're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Wednesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan, along with Whitney Pittman and Tyler Donaldson. Also hear a report from Jay Rader as well. KMOT Ag Expo is underway. Red River Farm Network's Jay Rader has more from Minot. Visiting here with uh, Rob Froning with Ag Country Farm Credit Services. Uh, we're at the KMOT Ag Show, and uh, Ag Country's put on some seminars all three days out at the show. Yeah, every day at 11 o'clock, we're going to put on some stuff. Uh, today, we're going to be talking on some markets and give a little bit of a market update on what's going on there. Tomorrow, succession, retirement, some planning needs that you probably need to consider and look at. And then on Friday, it's uh, getting to be that crop insurance time of year, so give a, an update on crop insurance and what's new and what's kind of going on in, in that world. No real changes for crop insurance of 24. I know the farm bill's kind of put on hold, but that's been kind of rubber stamped here for a little bit. So kind of the same program for everybody in 24 again? Yeah, for the most part, it's pretty much the same thing. We, we're getting a couple of policies that are fairly new that are getting a little more attractive in some area plans and uh, get a little higher coverage level to cover some of those small shallow losses. Uh, those are getting a lot more interest, so we're talking a lot more about those. But otherwise, pretty much same as before. Like you said, the farm bill's the same as that is because it's just extended. So yeah, kind of status quo other than maybe looking at some new opportunities and new policies that are out there. Talked about markets a little bit, obviously, where the market levels are right now. The balance sheets are maybe not quite as attractive as they were here back oh, a couple months ago, for sure. Uh, so that's got to be some conversations you're having with some of your farmers in the office. Yeah, actually, on, uh, on corn and wheat specifically, we are definitely seeing uh, those balance sheets not very pretty. Um, soybeans also uh, took a step backwards with the most recent reports. But uh, out of the, those big three, soybeans is still the most attractive and the, the tightest, but uh, still not to the levels that we were before. Uh, we're actually nearing some of those levels around 14, 15, 16, which does scare some people fundamentally uh, where these prices may go. But I think there's still going to be some opportunity. We just need to watch for it. You know, right now there's obviously weather down in South America, and they're going to focus on that, and we'll just see if the markets react. For the Red River Farm Network, I'm Jay Rader. Lanza Jet Freedom Pines Fuels in Sopperton, Georgia, is the first facility in the world dedicated to the production of sustainable aviation fuel from ethanol. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack praised the facility as a significant first step toward achieving net zero sustainable fuels. This isn't just about the United States. This is really about an international audience interested in sustainable aviation fuel globally. Uh, that, in fact, many of those who finance this, this day today come from all parts of the world. Uh, and so it does suggest that this has a global impact, this announcement today. This isn't just about celebrating an advancement for the U.S. It's a celebration for, for the globe, because at the end of the day, if we're really to uh, mitigate the consequences of a changing climate, the transportation sector clearly has to get to a net zero future. In order for it to get to a net zero future, uh, aviation uh, has to get there as well. Uh, and it can't get there without a sustainable aviation fuel. Ethanol production will play a key role in achieving the goal of net zero emissions. We felt it was necessary to continue to invest in a number of biomass production facilities. Uh, this technology is significant because it has the capacity to use ethanol uh, in the production process. There are other ways to do this. Uh, there are other opportunities with cover crops that are currently being explored so that we create multiple avenues. We knew that we needed to figure out ways in which we could help decarbonize the supply chain, working with farmers and ranchers and producers to embrace climate smart practices so they in turn could provide the feedstock 
that would allow companies to succeed. Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar, Kansas Senator Jerry Moran, and Iowa Senator Joni Ernst have introduced legislation to fast-track the development of sustainable aviation fuel. The bill would use existing USDA programs for the aviation industry to create new markets for farmers. Eight House members, including Brad Finstad and Angie Craig from Minnesota, introduced the companion bill in November. Canadian Agriculture and Agri-Food Minister Lawrence McCauley is concerned about the United States' Proposition 12 and voluntary country of origin labeling rules. McCauley traveling to the U.S. and voicing these concerns to Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack. Time was also spent with members of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association and Canadian Cattle Association to discuss the reduction of trade barriers. A survey of farmers by Farm Futures magazine says U.S. farmers intend to plant 92.79 million acres of corn this year. That's down nearly 2% from last year's 94.6 million acres. Soybean acreage is estimated to be up 1.6% from a year ago to 84.95 million acres. Winter wheat acres are seen at 37.3 million, up 1.6% from a year ago. Spring wheat acres are forecast to be down 19% to just over 9 million acres. Durham acres are unchanged from a year ago at 1.67 million acres. NRCS has added a short-term perennial option for the list of crops approved for a conservation crop rotation in Minnesota and Michigan. National Alfalfa and Forage Alliance has been working with USDA and Congress to incentivize the use of alfalfa in the NRCS programs with this language approved in two states. The trade group said it will continue to work to get more states approved for this scenario. Soybean and Corn Advisor President Michael Cordonier held his yield projections uh, unchanged for Argentina this week. Cordonier says Argentina needs rain soon. Uh, both crops will need a timely rain as soon as next week. Now, if they get it, wasn't much harm done. If they don't get it, then I think it would be a, a bigger concern in Argentina. And this is not supposed to happen during El Nino. El Nino is supposed to give Argentina wetter than normal and cooler than normal conditions. So if it's a one-week phenomena, well then, then, no big deal. But if it stretches more than a week or two, uh, it would be something to watch in Argentina. So certainly, you know, Argentina is now on the radar. Argentina's temperatures are expected to climb into the 100s. Especially north and west. So uh, that's the area to watch, I think, for the high temperatures. Now, the big production state, of course, is Buenos Aires and Santa Fe and Cordoba, sort of the heart of the production. And, uh, you know, their soils maintain water very well. Uh, they're like Iowa or Illinois. But if you get these really high temperatures, uh, that can suck the moisture out really quick, especially when a crop is at its peak water demand, uh, which it will be here in a couple of weeks. This is the Red River Farm Network. Wednesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. South American weather moved to the front burner Tuesday. Midwest Market Solutions President Brian Hoop says crop condition is the focus. Everybody remembers what happened last year. Argentina had a major drought. We ended up exporting a lot of soybean meal, crushing a lot of soybean meal because of uh, Argentina's inability to export meal. And, and uh, it really was kind of a boon for for soybean values and uh, as well as uh, helped out the corn exports. Now, 
maybe we're starting to see a little short covering by the funds because of concerns about the same pattern repeating itself where Argentina's crop gets stunted by heat and dryness, crop sizes diminish, and the funds don't want to be caught really heavily short. Hoops thinks potential lower wheat acreage pulled the Kansas City wheat market higher. Uh, winter wheat values finding some strength. Um, it looks like maybe the Farm Futures survey showing uh, winter wheat acres um, down from uh, maybe previous expectations um, and, and certainly spring wheat down significantly from last year should be supported for that market. The spring wheat basis bid at regional grain elevators remains mostly unchanged from a week ago. Spring wheat basis ranges from 10 cents to 75 cents under the March Minneapolis futures contract. Corn basis ranges from 10 cents under the March at Worthington, Minnesota to 65 cents under at New Salem, North Dakota. Soybean basis ranges from 75 to 90 cents under the March futures contract. Weekly report from the Energy Information Administration showing ethanol production for the weekend January 19th, down 236,000 barrels per day from the previous week to 818,000 barrels a day. Ethanol stocks up 100,000 barrels to 25.8 million barrels. The North Dakota Gelpy Association's annual meeting and convention will be held Saturday at Mandan, North Dakota. And the Gelby Association President Nor Jordan Jensen says the annual meeting and convention will be followed by the Golden Rule Sale Sunday at Kist Livestock Auction in Mandan. Yeah, six or eight consigners, there'll be bread heifers, open heifers, two-year-old bulls, yearling bulls, and some well, one semen lot and one pick of a herd for heifer, uh, open heifer pick. If you can't make it to the sale, the auction will have an online component. Uh, it'll be on DV auction, so if you can't get there, you can bid online. And I know most people are willing to take their cattle back home afterwards and figure out how to get them to you on a later date. Other than that, I don't know. Everything's in the catalog or online. Phone numbers, you can reach out and talk to anybody you're interested in. Record crowds are expected to attend the annual U.S. Custom Harvesters Convention in Oklahoma City this week. USCHI President David Meisner says that they've already received an all-time high in pre-registration leading up to the event. That I know of. It's the biggest crowd that we've had pre-registered, and so we've, we've got more getting more interest within our organization in the cotton site as far as our trade show as a whole all our vendors and the support that we get from all of them is just very superb and, and pleasing more on the side of just the harvesters if you will thinking about and, and looking about is our input and what it costs us as far as purchasing this machinery from our majors according to meisner labor and the farm bill have been headlining discussions H2A and being able to keep that cost reasonable to uh, be able to, you know, we, we all need to have labor and that is one of the one reasons why the farmer does hire us as harvesters be the labor situation and um, we have been discussing that. Of course, the farm bill is, is part of the thing even with us that there's been discussion there in, in D.C., Minnesota Farm Bureau Federation Vice President Carol Olson headed home from the American Farm Bureau Annual Convention. Olson says it's exciting to take what she hears from farmers across the country and use it for other roles, such as serving on the AURI Board of Directors. It's always uh, interesting to see how Minnesota products can be used in ways that, you know, as, as 
a farmer, I'm sitting on my farm, I might not think of you know, something that could use soybeans, for instance. And we have entrepreneurs all over the state that come up with these brilliant ideas and can work with AURI to bring them to fruition or to see if it is a viable product. So it's so exciting for me and we get to hear reports on, on some of those new ideas uh, this week. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. A veterinary workforce solutions program aims to help solve the rural veterinary shortage. Farm Journal Foundation Vice President of Strategic Partnerships Todd Greenwood says solving this issue begins by developing students from a young age. Engaging young people, current students and undergraduate, vet students and early career practitioners. They need support, uh, but we also need to stop them in a way that says, this is what you need to know right now. Um, and if you don't know or haven't really accomplished these things, uh, academic rigor, financial acumen, if you haven't done those things, stop and take a look at this online piece. You know, for, for early practitioners, it's, hey, here are the tools. Don't be afraid to go into a rural community. Here's how you can be successful and things that you need to do. This program will provide resources for communities, students, and beginning veterinarians. It's important for communities to define their needs and prepare. Communities need to understand what their needs are. Uh, they need to understand where the livestock and producers are. Uh, and then look at the students coming in, you know, and are they there? If they're not there, get your 4-H and FFA programs going. If they go into undergraduate, make sure they're academically prepared and, and aren't scared by the debt that they're going to take. You know, you think about nearly $200,000 average in student debt by the time the vet graduates. That's, that's a big issue. But then giving them the right exposure and career guidance is big. That's community-based, you know, and, and, and having the right policy components, things that can be funded, the right dollars at the right time uh, are really important, and, and access to capital. Checking markets before we leave you this noon hour. March wheat in Minneapolis is five and a quarter cents higher, seven oh four and a quarter, May up five and a quarter. Chicago March wheat twelve and three quarter higher at six oh nine and a quarter. Kansas City March wheat's up seven and three quarters at six twenty five and a quarter. March corn five and a half higher at four fifty two. July corn's up four and a half at four seventy and a half. March soybeans a penny higher at twelve forty and a half. The May soybeans now down a quarter of a penny, twelve forty six and three quarters. In Winnipeg, March canola is down three dollars and ninety cents a metric ton at six thirty five twenty Canadian. February live cattle, 65 cents higher at 175.30. April's up 47 at 178.30. March feeder cattle, 12 cents higher, 233.82. April is 15 cents higher, 239.70. And February hogs, 50 cents higher. This is the Red River Farm Network.